What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their view from the pew on Modern Day Radio. And welcome to this episode of View from the Pew. I am your host, Brenda Aiken, and joining me is the man who was wondering why he ever got cell phones for his kids because they never answer his phone calls, the good deacon, Scott Aiken. So here I am coming over to the station today and I'm trying to get a hold of the three kids because all I want to know is who left this cup of coffee on the counter and can I drink it? Because I'm on keto. I don't know if I had sugar and I didn't want to. <laughs> so I'm trying to call the three kids. Not a one of them answered, and I left two notifications to, to each of them, and nobody answered. There are two possibilities. They're unable to respond. They're unwilling to respond. They didn't like, even answer their te- now, no. see, they didn't even answer their text messages, because typically, if they don't answer their phone, I'll send them a text message, and they'll answer me back that way, a little bit more often than they would answer a phone well, call. Finally, I get a call back from our son, whose birthday it is today, and I go, what is going on? Why do I pay for those phones? (laughs) Struck out on three calls, three strikes. So there are times when I feel like we were good parents because none of our kids got cell phones until they were like eighth Eighth grade, grade, maybe going into high school. Our son maybe got one a little bit earlier, but it's amazing how young kids are today with cell phones. I don't know how I feel about that. Right. I, I don't either. And I think that's, you know, for, for, for grandparents and for parents, we're just awed at how fast they learn. Um, but I, I think it was an inevitable thing that kids were going to get to the phones. And um, as a consequence, I think, you know, we have yet to see what that will look like. We've had some, some great speakers in the past give us some insight. But yeah, we don't know where that's going. It is going younger. Well, as you said, it is our son's birthday this week, and we were making preparations to celebrate. I know for when the girls had this birthday, we called it the Sweet 16. But I've kind of done a a non-scientific poll here in the station, and all of the men agree you don't call a boy's 16th birthday his Sweet 16. I don't know what you call it. Yeah, maybe a bittersweet 16. (laughs) (laughs) That might be more like it. Well, what's interesting, Scott, and I made the connection for, I think, maybe the first time this year, is that Christian's birthday is on the 19th, just one day before would have been John Paul II's or Pope St. John Paul II's birthday on the 18th of May. He would have been 101 years old. Yeah, that's incredible to think back. It, you know, we, we grew up in our marriage, uh, in even our early childhood, uh, with him as our pope, and he was our pope for 27 years, and it's just an amazing amount of history of the world that he brings uh, light to. He, he spoke to so many issues of the day from the 70s through the early 2000s that I think were transformational, not least of which I think culminated in his Jubilee year. He had so much profoundness uh, in his speaking and his writing in the Jubilee year. And what Pope would be leading us into the next century, next millennia. Right. And yet that's what, that was the Lord's task of him to, to do that. We talk about when he came to office. Now, he was made Pope in 1978. Both you and I were right around the 10-year-old 
mark there. And he was the Pope all the way up to actually when our son, I was pregnant with our son uh, when he died in April of 2005. So you, you think about the number of years, the amount of life that a person experiences from really from childhood, 10 years old, we were at 10 years old, we knew what was going on, right? We had an awareness, we were learning about life to becoming and being parents. And in this case, we were becoming parents of our fourth child when he passed away. That's a lot of life. That's a lot of growth and understanding. And our view of our Catholic faith is hugely based on his pontificate. Knowing that he followed Pope Paul, St. Pope Paul VI encyclical and the closing of Vatican II, and then we had a short time with Pope John Paul I. It was really Pope John Paul II who took so much of what was happening in the 60s and the transformation of the church through Vatican II. He brought it into a fullness that uh, was necessary. And I I can look back now as I'm 54 and think, thanks be to God that we had a Pope be able to be so vibrant at the young age he came in and stay so long, right to the very end as we watched him in the upper room there in Vatican Square uh, as he was passing away. And it just days before our son, you know, and looking back in that regard, the connection of that for us is is very profound to see that that continuity of now we have a we have a responsibility to remind our children of how we were impacted by St. Pope John Paul II and here we are with Pope Francis who is doing the the ongoing work of that of trying to emphasize what um, both both Pope John Paul II and Pope Benedict XVI his best friend his best uh, confidant as Cardinal Ratzinger had brought forward, and here Pope Francis is bringing that to fruition. So, I mean, we in our lifetime, we just think about all of those popes that, that have had such an impact on our Catholicism. It's beautiful. Oh, it is beautiful. And what the other thing I love about you, Scott, is your ability to find the connectedness in all of it, that these dates come together, Pope St. John Paul II's birthday, our son's birthday, because we're going to spend a little bit of time today talking specifically about Pope John Paul II and his writing, because coming up, I have an opportunity to talk with somebody from a great program for women called Endow, and it's based upon the writing and the beautiful encyclical that Pope St. John Paul II wrote about the beauty and dignity of women. So I'm going to talk with Simone from Endow coming up. And then after that, we're going to share with you within our family of four children, the three of whom are girls, the feminine genius of how that forms a young man, our son, who we're celebrating his 16th birthday today, but also forms me as a father. And I think the, the men that they... God willing, we'll meet in the future. So we got a great show ahead for you. So stay with us on this week's View from the Pew. Welcome. 
Welcome to Catholic Bite 60 Seconds, where 2,000 years of faith and tradition is explained one minute at a time. I'm Father Tim Furlow of the Archdiocese of Portland and Oregon, and today we're going to talk about your vocation. Not to be confused with your wild time in Cabo two summers ago. Your vocation is what you're called to in this life. It comes from the Latin word vocare, which literally means to call out to somebody. And when it comes to us and our human life, the person doing the calling is God. He can call us to all kinds of stuff. The point is our vocation is what we're called to be, not what we're called to do. Doing flows from being. Whatever you are determines what you do. And who better than God knows who we really are? Nobody, not even ourselves. So who better to trust when it comes to how we should live this human life? You want to be really happy? Don't get stressed out over every little thing you do. Instead, pray, God, help me to be who you made me to be. Help me to live my vocation. I'm Father Tim Furlow, and this is Catholic Bites, 60 Seconds. Get dialed into your Catholic community by visiting materdayradio.com. Check out our community calendar of events, locally produced shows, prayer hotline, and so much more. For a current program schedule and to learn more about this listener-supported Catholic ministry, visit materdayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com. The bridge between your faith and everyday life. Family life can be hectic, but God can be found right in the middle of it. So take a moment for this week's View from the Pew. Rooted in the teachings of Pope St. John Paul II, Endow is a program for Catholic women that seeks to educate women toward a more profound understanding of their God-given dignity. Through small groups and study guides, participants encounter the beauty and depth of the Church's teachings on womanhood. Well, joining me to share more is Simone Rizcala, the Director of Program Growth, for Endow. Simone, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you, Brenda. It's a true pleasure. I was just turned on to your program from a recent conference that one of our employees attended, and it's exciting to read about this. So excited to share with our listeners. The name of the program is Endow. It's actually an acronym. Tell our listeners what it stands for. Yes, it's an acronym for Educating on the nature and dignity of women. And that comes from Pope John Paul II uh, writing on the nature and dignity of women, or otherwise known as mulieris dignitatum. Oh, excellent. It's a wonderful program. You have a great website that I was able to garner a lot of information on. I think the story of the origins is fascinating. And the number of people that really got involved Superb. Tell our listeners about how Endow began. Oh, it's such a wonderful story. These these three women uh, encountered the writings of Pope St. John Paul II, who we would have celebrated his 101st birthday just yesterday. Uh, and so they, uh, May 18th, and when they encountered his writings, particularly his writings on the feminine genius, Mulieris Dignitatum on the Nature and Dignity of Women, and then his later document, which he wrote in 1995, Letter to Women, they were absolutely stunned by how much he believed in women and was advocating for women and encouraging women to really embrace their feminine vocations. 
uh, in service to the church and in service to the world. So John Paul II said that uh, each woman is vital and essential for a healthy church and a healthy world and a healthy society. And so they read this and thought, gosh, we've been lifelong Catholics, but we have not really encountered these rich texts and the rich philosophical and theological tradition of the church. And they wanted to make uh, the writings of St. John Paul II, especially his writings on the feminine genius, accessible to your everyday woman in the pew and encounter it uh, with such power the way that they had. And so that's the inspiration for Endow. That's how Endow was born, this this encounter with the writings on the feminine genius and their desire to share it with as many women as, as possible. And that letter to women that John Paul II wrote, I mean, he wrote it to Catholic women, certainly, but he also wrote it to every woman of the world. And as he says in the letter, I'm speaking directly to the heart of every woman. So, you know, that's that's a little bit on the founding of Endow. It's a beautiful story. Simone Rizkala joining me today. She is the Director of Program Growth for Endow. Simone, I want to talk on something here that you just mentioned, and it had to do with the writings of Pope St. John Paul II. He recognized the beauty and dignity of women, really in a way that I think many women don't recognize it in themselves. And you're using the term feminine genius. Can you maybe touch on what what that means? Yes, absolutely. I think I agree with you in that uh, most women kind of take for granted this beautiful uh, feminine vocation that they have. In general, what it means is that what a woman does, she does as a woman. So even if she's doing the same activities as men, she's doing them in, in a particular way as a woman through her own feminine uh, soul, if you will. So there's that aspect to it that we can't, that there is, uh, there are two ways to be human, men, male and female, and that the the female uh, way to be human, it looks very different uh, than a male way of being. And this isn't to become stereotypical or put people in uh, very rigid, you know, gender roles, but to say that there is a true distinction between what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. Um, And then more specifically, of course, every woman is her own unrepeatable being and will express her own unique feminine genius in her own way. And we look at the diversity of the female saints, right? They were all saints. They're all holy, but they look very differently from each other, but they're all women, um, so too, when, when we think about ourselves as Catholic women, we can, we'll express our own unique feminine genius, um, as particular as our own personal vocations. But there are certain qualities in the feminine genius that are strengths of the feminine. And one of those, and he, and of course, John Paul II goes into this very richly, uh, in Molieris Dignitatum, uh, on the nature and dignity of women. Uh, but one of them is that receptivity, and I think maybe ultimately, is that receptivity to the other person. Mm. There's a way in which a woman's presence um, changes the environment around her, and that she has a certain uh, eye toward, toward relationship and toward the other person. And that's ultimately so dignified to yeah. have that that feminine look. I absolutely love that. As a woman, I absolutely see myself as a receiver. And I think by being able to receive love, it makes women maybe a a little bit more easier to give love in different ways. Uh, um, 
Simone, this program is set up so wonderfully and everything is there for small groups to join. How does this happen where groups can join and then the ongoing gatherings? How are how is the whole group set up? Oh, that's such a great question. Thank you for asking that. Well, if you go on our website, endowgroups.org, you'll see a link to a groups page. And that's where you can decide, you know, maybe you're listening to this and you think, I would love to start an endow group, uh, which is, as you mentioned earlier, um, a small group community of faith and friendship that has decided that they want to study um, one of one of these texts. And we have more than, more than uh, just John Paul II's text. On, on women. We also have the writings of the female saints and doctors of the church, as I mentioned earlier, who wonderfully in their own diverse ways express the feminine genius and their writings and their lives are absolutely brilliant and worth studying. But we also have other study guides as well that go, go beyond that into other papal and magisterial documents. So if, if a woman's listening and would like to get involved, she can go onto our groups page and, and say, I'm, I'm a new host and I want to learn about, more about what it means to host. And I'd be happy to talk to her about what that means. Um, or you can f- try to find a pre-existing endow group and join that group as well. So, you know, there are groups that are private. Let's say you have your own group of, of girlfriends that you decide you want to do this with, or you want to be a little bit more missionary and propose it to um, make it a public group, invite people, women you've never met, maybe at your church or community or even your work office. I know there's a group in Colorado where it's a group of female engineers and they wake up every morning. At, uh, they get to work an hour earlier for their endowed group before they go off to all their engineering duties. So there's many different ways that you can you can uh, have an endowed group. And you can also get connected with us uh, at the endowed team. And we also host um, webinars that you can, you can join if you want to join and study with us as well. But our ideal situation is that you would have your own group, whether it's a group that you decide to host or a group that you decide to join. And Simone, for those who want to host, for some people says, yeah, I'd love to join a group. Uh, hosting it is a whole lot different. Everything is laid out because as we we talked about just as we were preparing for our interview, there are 20 different courses all ready to go. Yes, that's right. So you can have your pick. Of course, our our foundational texts are Letter to Women and Mulier Signatatum, but we just uh, we just released and are releasing a, a study on Catholic social teaching. Um, and so that's our newest study that we're releasing this year. We're so excited to, um, to release it and to have that available for groups. So maybe, maybe you want to skip ahead. You don't have to start with Letter to Women or Roll Your Stigmatism. You can, you can jump to whichever study you feel like the Holy Spirit is calling you to study. The name of the group is Endow. Simone Rizcala joining me today. And remind our listeners again what that stands for and where they can go as far as a website to find out more information. Absolutely. So Endow stands for Educating on the Nature and Dignity of Women. And if you visit endowgroups.org, you can find out more about our study guides and about starting or joining a group. And I might mention, Brenda, that we also have study guides for middle school and high school, as well as study guides that have been translated into Spanish for our Hispanic communities. Wow, that is excellent. I encourage all of our listeners to check that out. Simone, thank you so much for all of the work that you do, and especially thank you for your time today. Thank you so much, Brenda. 
And again, that is Simone Rizcala, the Director of Program Growth for Endow. I will be sure to add a link to where you can find their webpage and all the information we talked about. You're going to find the link on the podcast of this interview at materdayradio.com. I am beautiful no matter what they say Words can bring me down I am beautiful in every single way Yes, words can bring me down I never thought of myself as a feminine genius. In fact, I don't ever remember putting the word genius to anything that I necessarily did because, boy, I usually just kind of fly by the seat of my pants, not quite sure how things are going to turn out, but it doesn't keep me from diving into any thought, event, book, reason, encounter. If any man were so (laughs) full of hubris to claim himself to be feminine genius, he would summarily get shot down pretty quick. What what was the book that came out when when my mom was um, raising us? It was... uh, Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Something and, like that. And the that. difference of how they approach a, a, an issue, boy, that that was a, a genius writing because, yeah, certainly women approach uh, issues vastly different than men in general, and, and that's oftentimes where the communication breakdown can begin. No doubt. Well, I love the fact that that beautiful and cynical about women, about the dignity of women, and the additional writings about that feminine genius came from... A man. Right. John Paul II. And we're talking today about his writing, but more importantly, we are kind of celebrating a little bit because our son is turning 16 this week. This is the end of birthday season in our house. All of our children have their birthdays early in the year. We have one in January, one in April, and two in May. And then that's it. I'm getting a little bit tired of, of birthday cake, but I'll do my best to have another slice. But there's a lot of connections when we start to talk about John Paul II and his life and our son, because some dates start to really line up. I I alluded to at the beginning of the radio show today that he was born, our son, Christian, was born just a little less than three weeks after Pope St. John Paul II died. And we were so uh, focused on that. It was such a heartbreak for us to watch him go through that and so such a proud moment for us as Catholics to see this man witness to living to the very end with his illness, uh, not being a hindrance to his focus. And then to shift gears after we have that, that loss that so many people uh, shared with us and, 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 that, and then have our son be born and bring us back to, okay, there's here and now that we have to address, and that is this newborn who we have no idea being a boy how to operate with, because we've had three girls. And he was very much, I would presume, a very typical little boy. We tell him now, and he's still not convinced how lucky he is to have three older sisters. And we'll let people know that, and they kind of smile and think, (laughs) boy, that's not lucky at all. He is definitely sure that that was unlucky for him. But boy, there are no, there's no coincidences here. This was a boy who was meant to have three older sisters. And when he came into the home and, you know, we had lots of girl toys around. There were Barbies and even our Legos were lavender and pink and, and every other color that girls would like. 
he played with them. He had no problem playing with them, except that when he played with the Barbie Corvette, it was usually because it was taking a jump off of the top of the stairs. It was also because of him. We had to start putting a rope around our kitchen table because he would push the chairs around so he could climb on top of things to reach what he wanted, something the girls never did either. You know, I certainly would put it in the context that he was precocious. He he had like abilities that he kind of sensed he had and he would just test them constantly. <laughs> he would leap off things. And and when we really noticed it was one time where we're with the kids jump in the bed and we might've shared this before, but it's just so profound is that we would do this spider with, with our hands coming down and, and the girls would stick their feet up to try to push the hand away. And when we did that with Christian for the first time, he shoots it. With his fingers, with his like finger. a gun, yeah. And it's like, where did you learn that? You're just a, you know, a year and a half, two years old, but he somehow had made a connection so that it was clear he looks at the world differently than the girls do. And yet for the feminine genius of the girls, they surround him with uh, a love that brings him to be much more than this precocious boy who's going to get in trouble and wreck things. He is very sensitive. And I know in school, he's constantly saying, my friends are kind of taken aback that, that I talk to, I have no problem talking to girls. Well, that's who you grew up with. And I think that's what Simone was getting at when she was talking about the Endow program, is that women approach things while they might be doing the same thing that a man is doing, you and I are doing the exact same thing. We are raising this family, but we do it wholly different because of who we are. You as their father and me as their mother, both so important and yet neither one less than the other. Right. And I think that's, that connects very strongly to the gospel representation of, of Christ's focus on his mother. He loved his father. He learned from his father. In fact, we can sit and we can expound with our imagination of how Joseph may have raised him, but we know clearly how Mary interacted in in Jesus' life, and particularly on those uh, last three years when he was entering his, his mission fully, and he turns to her, and he listens to her, uh, but she she is the one who receives his love and she receives it completely. And he knows that. And so there at the very end on the cross, he gives that love to his disciple whom he loved. Hmm. And conversely, the disciple is given to his mother whom he loves. So there is something there that he was formed in, in his humanity by the feminine genius of the one full of grace, Mary who was chosen by God to be the vessel and the imparter of love to the Son in a way that brings our humanity fully to this incarnated level that Christ shares with us this Easter season. Well, Scott, I think that says it perfectly. I love that. And we're going to end there. Before we go today, will you end us in a prayer? Yes. Lord Jesus, in this Easter season, we are grateful for your promises, your promises that you will rise and your promise that you will send us a paraclete. This weekend, we celebrate Pentecost, and we long for connection to you through the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to enliven in our hearts the gift of our baptism, our confirmation, our discipleship to follow you. We ask this in your holy name, Jesus Christ. 
Amen. And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune in next week as we share with you more stories about our faith, our family, and our View from the Pew. God bless. Have a great week. You've been listening to View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Aikens and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at moderndayradio.com slash pew. View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon.